It felt like my head was spinning, and the words Mary spoke were just confetti in the wind. I need an exit plan. Sasha, what can I say about her? She could be my soul sister. But the longer I live, the more I realise I don't know. It's easy to go through life thinking that you're somehow unique and special and there's never been anyone like you. But you'd be wrong. In a sense, you'd be right, of course. Literally speaking, you are unique and all that. But let's move on from the pedantry and go to the epiphany. I grew up with relative ease. I had some troubles here and there, and I thought they were big at the time, but then I met other people and heard their stories, and it made mine look a look a little like, I know, gumdrop in Candyland. And I was full of myself. That's probably because, well, I'm more intelligent than the average punter, which, I mean, that means that I piece disparate bits of information together faster and apply them to abstract concepts, able to synthesize new knowledge better than many. It's put me in situations where I couldn't understand why other people just didn't get things as easily as me. And so naturally, I let my ego build. It got to the point that when I came across esoteric knowledge, that's the books I bought, I was big-headed enough to think I could just dive in and do whatever I wanted. I didn't bother taking the time to consider the possible downsides. Nor did I consider... There could be unforeseeable downsides. And my adventures in magic led me to a near-fatal encounter with a Rakshasa. And I endangered my only real friends. I've since settled my ego down a little. I mean, not completely, as you can plainly hear. What with the way I humbly talk about how intelligent I am. Look, Anyway, and I'm just digging a deeper hole, I think. So, back to Sasha. She spilled her life story to me. And I swear, she could have been my sister. She had it relatively easy. Not as in she was from a rich family, but rather her parents were there for her. They didn't push her too hard, and they didn't ignore her. She did well enough at school to get where she wanted to be, and when she had the opportunity, she went abroad. That's where she let her ego talk her into a situation she shouldn't have got involved in. I'll I'll let her tell it. I was 22. I'd just finished up a year of working as a real estate agent after uni. I'd made some good commissions, so I took the next year off. Like all good Aussies, I booked a round-the-world ticket. I stopped in Bali for a week, up to Laos and Vietnam, Thailand, then Greece and Hungary and Croatia, then to Italy and into Germany. In Germany, I got into the rave scene that was big in East Berlin at the time. They'd take over an old factory shell or warehouse and glam it up with glow-in-the-dark paint and stick black lights everywhere. Everyone would wear zinc cream and different patterns on their face and arms so it would glow under the black lights. It was a total dreamscape. It was at one of those raves where I went hunting for some E. I followed a dealer out to the back alley where these transactions would take place. The organisers didn't want drugs dealt or carried on the premises, and we all wanted the show to go on, so we obliged. Deals were done outside and pills were popped before coming back in. 
police would occasionally visit with sniffer dogs and just about no one got caught, at least not inside the venue. I followed this guy out, but I had to wait because he went off to talk to this other woman. She seemed a little bit old to be in the rave scene, but she was dressed pretty whack, so I just assumed she was part of the scene anyway. The dealer must have done something wrong because the woman he was talking to started shouting at him and shoved him. Then she pulled a knife. I thought she was going to cut him, but she cut her own finger, sucked a bit of blood into her mouth and spat it at him. Well, the only way I could describe it is that she cursed him, like waved her hands at him and said some stuff I couldn't quite hear. The dealer just looked at her like she was nuts and he did that thing where you look down at something spilled on you and sort of shake your hands, not wanting to actually touch the stuff but wanting to brush it off anyway. He then turned to walk away and the woman said one last thing to him, like she said goodbye or good luck or something. Well, he took two steps when a cat broke cover from an alcove and darted in front of him. He stumbled, trying not to step on the cat, and he rolled his ankle and landed in some mud. woman laughed, and I clearly saw her raise a finger and say, That's one. You've got two more. Well, the dealer picked himself up and left in a hurry. He stepped out of the lane and more or less right into a pair of police officers and their drug dog, which started barking and pawing at the dealer's pockets. He was carted away, and the woman who came up to stand beside me at that stage said, That's two. One left, and considering he's going to jail, I bet it will be a big one. I was freaked and amazed at the same time. My mind wasn't processing what had happened and what the implications were. I just asked if she'd teach me what she'd done. I was in for the full immersion experience in Europe, and that included getting involved in crazy witchcraft and other madness. That's what it was. I didn't really truly believe it. It was a bit of a game, an exciting education in old Germanic folklore. Anyway, nothing came of it at the time. I moved on from Germany to the UK where I hooked up with some modern druids to continue the ancient connection I'd made. Then I landed in the US where I at one point fell in with an old Cajun woman who was supposed to be a swamp witch. Really, she just made damn good gumbo and spoke with such a heavy accent it was almost impossible to understand her. But she was kind and generous. She spoke to me of an old demon that haunted the slaves of a plantation not too far from where she lived. She claimed her great-great-grandmother was a slave there and this demon had possessed not only the owner, but some of the slaves too. I always thought demons possessed a single person, but she claimed a demon was not a contained being like a person and could exist in many places at once. So I finally came home after my year-long adventure abroad. It was about six months ago that I broke up with my girlfriend. She was the first girlfriend I'd had and probably my last. It was a bad breakup, and I think it was inevitable because it was a bad relationship to start with. I got very upset with her, and so I cut my finger and spat blood at her. I cursed her like the woman did to the dealer, and she left. She stormed out. I saw her drop her wallet out of her pocket as she left, but she was in such a state she didn't notice. I remember thinking to myself, that's one. Two more. The next bit of bad luck happened just a day later. I was going to the rock room for a session. When I got there, an ambulance was being loaded and I saw she was the patient. There was two. One left. She'd fallen in the pulley that the... She'd fallen, and the pulley that the belaying rope ran through pulled from the wall, letting her fall. She was caught by the mats at the bottom, but she still broke her leg. I was still feeling bitter about the whole deal, so the enormity of what I'd done hadn't sunk in. You see... The curse strikes three times, three incidents of bad luck, each worse than the last. 
my ex had lost a wallet with a lot of cash in it that she was going to use to buy a new computer she needed for university. And then she broke her leg. She was carted off to Tanya McCullough emergency rooms. They're not just a children's hospital. They also do emergency and surgery too. I heard about the third incident the next day from a mutual friend. My ex had her leg put in a cast and was being picked up by her mum. They were only just pulling out of the hospital car park when they were hit by a car. They both survived, thank God, but it was bad. I think the only reason they made it was because the accident happened at the hospital, so they were taken straight in. I don't see it as coincidence that Sasha cast a black magic curse on her ex, and then shortly after, she's been stalked by something inhuman. If I had my books, I'd have started looking in them. I have read them all, cover to cover, so I do remember a lot. Unfortunately, they don't cover anything in Australia. There are spirit entities in America and Europe that will hunt down wicked people or people who have consorted with darkness. I wouldn't put it past Australia to have its own version or... One of those creatures could have travelled here. Ideally, I'd love to have some expert on Aboriginal monsters and spirits I could talk with. Unfortunately, I don't know how to go about that without looking like a crazy person or or without being, you know, a, a bit offensive and intrusive. I don't even know the etiquette to use to approach someone about this. We stayed in the office talking over possibilities and came on two that seemed reasonable and actionable. Either the stalker witnessed the curse happen, or it came upon the results of the curse and recognised them. There was a third option we toyed with, that the creature was just able to detect when black magic was used and was drawn to her. But we dismissed that as unlikely because then every black magician would be stalked and killed, right? Or, Or whatever this thing wants to do. It seems if that was the case... The number of black magic users would either drop to non-existence or they would all develop defences against this and Sasha would likely have been told about it. So, of the two remaining ideas, we also discarded as unlikely the amazing coincidence that the creature just happened to be watching when the curse was made. We would come back to that if the other option didn't pan out. So we were left with the idea that this creature, I've since notionally identified it as a Mokoi, came across the effect of the curse and tracked it back. That would explain the time gap between the curse and when the creature was first noticed. Oh, um, McCoy. Not like from Star Trek, McCoy, as in a Scottish name, but Mokoy. I mean, what is that? And why do I think it is our, and I use this term loosely, man? After deciding the most likely place the curse trail would have been picked up was the hospital, I did the only research left to me. I googled. There's a fair amount of detail on the net if you look hard enough. When I cross-referenced it with my books, I found a number of inaccuracies, but they haven't been that big. It's more often overlooked or missing information rather than outright wrong. But there is a creature in Australian Aboriginal folklore or so the uh, Wikipedia would tell me, that stalks and hunts black magicians. The hospital is relevant in this too, as this same creature, the McCoy, for some reason, steals and eats children. Tanya McCulloch is primarily a children's hospital. As gruesome as it is, 
it would be an excellent spot for such a creature to live. Like, so that's what we worked on. We're in the main foyer of the hospital. There are people sitting, waiting in chairs, others are coming and going. There's a couple of, oh, they're probably not nurses, they're, they're probably admin staff, sitting behind a large counter answering queries and directing people. Kind of as ordinary as heck. I feel a little out of place. Yeah, I've got a bit more armour on now under a zipped up jacket. I've got armoured gloves in my pockets ready to go and my leg armour is a bit conspicuous, but Here's a trick. I've brought a motorcycle helmet that I'm carrying. With luck, people will just assume I'm wearing bike gear. So instead of being a bit creepy and weird, I'm transformed into a sensible and responsible person. Our minds are funny like that. It's how half a magic is performed. But the real trick is that I've used a true sight potion. It's a recipe I had written down out of one of my books. I've never used it before, but I think it's working. I'm noticing all sorts of little details that I'm sure I would otherwise have missed. You're doing your journal? Uh, oh yeah, sorry, I, I probably could have warned you. Uh, I tend to record on my phone so it looks like I'm talking to someone. Uh, otherwise, I think it would probably be a bit weird. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you see that guy over there? It looks like he's engrossed in his phone. He's actually pretending to look at it, so he can sneak glances past his phone at the woman over there. I think he fancies her and wants to talk to her, but he doesn't know how. How do you know that? Is that the potion? I can only imagine so. Wow. And there are other things too, like uh, that kid over there with his mum. He's got something stashed in his pocket that he doesn't want his mum to know about. And that guy over there, he's wearing a toupee. It's pretty convincing, but it's, yeah, it's fake anyway. The potion seems pretty good. Shame it's so gross. Yeah, the fly's eyes were just the cherry on the cake. It isn't as if I could remove the eyes from the fly. I mean, do I really need so many? So, we're here. What do we do? How do we track this thing? This... Mokoi? Oh, I figure we need to go through the kids' ward and see if I can spot anything wrong. If that turns up empty, uh, we'll have to think more about it. I'll buy a big teddy to carry around. I feel a little out of place just walking around a children's hospital without a present for a kid. We walked around that children's ward for ages. I went back and forward, sticking our heads in at each room. It was good Sasha got that teddy. I let us blend in perfectly with the other people wandering around the halls. They were all carrying gifts of one sort or another. But we saw nothing. Of course, that wasn't too surprising when we stopped and actually thought about it some more. The Mokoi eats children, but it, I mean, it couldn't just pop in and have a munch without being discovered. I mean, not here. Besides... It wouldn't have to. There's a surgery and oncology ward here too. Children die in the hospital every week. I don't know the actual statistics, but it's a big hospital and there are plenty of kids brought in and not as many leave. I couldn't tell you if the McCoy sabotaged surgery or spiked medicine or something to keep up its supply, or it was just patient and took what it could get naturally. We did a little research and found most hospitals keep their mortuary in the basement because it keeps it out of the way of the people who need to get about quickly, like to surgery to save their life, and stops patients from stumbling into dead bodies. Mortuaries are also not accessible to the general public, 
without appropriate papers, which we didn't have. As luck would have it, one of the rooms we were standing in front of while looking up info on our phones was being cleaned. Someone who has access to the basement is the cleaner. This cleaner was simply not very security conscious because he left his ID and swipe card on his trolley while he went into the room to get the garbage. Being the delinquent I am, I nicked his card but left his ID and keys. He wouldn't notice anything was gone until he tried to go back to the service areas and from the looks of it, that would be a while yet. Uh, so these are obviously the service halls. Uh, it's a bit small for primary usage. Uh, you wouldn't be able to wheel a gurney down here. Let's check some of these doors for access to the main hall. I don't know. Wouldn't we get escorted out if we got caught in the main halls? Sure, but hopefully there'll be some signage or directions so we know where to go. This hospital's huge. These basements are like a maze. Oh wait, what's that? What? That hall there, I... I saw something move down there. What hall? That one. Oh. I just thought that was an alcove. Why'd I think that? Seriously? You thought it was an alcove or what is obviously a cross intersection? Well, not now. I just wasn't really paying attention. Ah, oh, that's sneaky. You think this is it? Well, it must be. I think I saw the McCoy down there too. Yeah, it could have been something else like a cat, but I don't see many cats hanging around down here. I'll leave my helmet here. You should drop the bear here too. Oh, we won't need our disguises. Here. Hold my phone. It's... it's still recording. I have to get my gloves on. Okay. Let's kick some butt. Oh, crap. We're going down there now? You'd rather wait at home wondering when this thing's gonna break in and consume you. I just didn't... I don't know. It's... a lot. Oh, tell me about it. You should hear me cracking my dax in season one. I got clawed by a ghoul and bashed by a rakshasa. I can tell you the anticipation and fear leading up to that is far worse. When things start happening, you get hit with adrenaline and all sorts of helpful hormones. And things just happen. Just keep breathing in at an even pace. Really concentrate on it, or you'll peak too soon and freak out. You sound like a professional. Well, I guess you are. Ha, <laughs> I don't feel like it. I took some training courses on dealing with emergency situations and confrontations. The armor helps with the confidence. My friend survived being mauled by a vampire thrall, thanks to the suit of this stuff. I hope you missed that, uh, vampire thrall up. Oh yeah, sure, but it was mostly John. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that machine. You can tell me about that later. Let's do this. I'll stay behind you and help you where I can. Ah, uh, this could get pretty crazy. I may sound like I'm an old hand at this, but seriously, we will run like buggery if things go south. I have no clue what to expect. For all I know, this thing shoots lightning out its eyes and has the strength of a mama bear defending her cubs. When I say run, just run like the clappers. Just follow the exit signs because I'll be doing the same thing and the Mokoi might well be right behind us. Is that why you called exit plan? Yeah, in part. A door. Eric, keep an eye out. Have we passed any doors yet? 
you're the one with the true sight. I haven't seen any. But it doesn't smell good down here. Yeah, I noticed. It smells... Well, let's just not talk about what it smells like, okay? Keep a close watch on our backs. This thing knows these tunnels much better than us and will know how to lead us into a trap. It could just be hoping to hide. I think it's more like a crocodile, an ambush predator. Crocs will lie very still in murky water with their eyes just barely breaking the surface. Then, when something comes down to drink, bam, it's all over. Crap. That <laughs> sounds crap. Ah, oh, sorry. How many doors do you see? What? How many doors? Just the two at the end. Maybe access to machinery, like lift motors or heating or something? What about this one here? Oh, yes. How did I miss? It knows we're down here, so creeping in probably won't help. I want to burst in, but I need you to open the door because my hands are full. Is that a taser? Will that work? In my experience, monsters are still physical in nature, even if they have some kind of magical component to them. Pass 50,000 volts through them and yeah, they'll know about it. I don't think that it will actually put it down, but... Even a momentary stun will give me a chance to knock it out. Okay. On three. Ready. One. Two. Three. Oh! I can't see a damn thing. Is there a light switch? Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh. Oh. Ah. oh god, is it dead? Hold on. What? Silver-edged, cold-wrought iron with an oak sheathing. Covers off many popular killing methods. Now I think it's dead. So, let's do a quick checklist. 1. Ancient Order of Catholic Sorcerers. Check. Mary. I should have been included in by the name. She burnt my books like a good fundamentalist. 2. Secret Basement Room of Death in the Hospital. Check. And 3. The Hunters. Actually, I don't have any more on them, but let's see where things go to from here. So the Mokoi sort of dissolved into a black and red mist and was just disappeared. We didn't go back in the room. It, oh, it defies description by a sane mind. My memories of it are already blurring and I'm happy for that to happen. The Mokoi ate children. I'm going to leave it at that. I also doubt I've actually killed it for good, but if it behaves anything like other similar creatures and... It'll be another generation or a thousand years or, a, I don't know, some other long period of time before it turns up again. I think it's high time to catch up with B again. I think, I think a day to a cafe would be nice. It felt like my head was spinning and the words Mary spoke were just confetti in the wind. I need an exit plan.
Thank you for listening. The next episode will be released at the same time next week. The novel of Exit Plan Season 1 will be released at the end of March 2019. If you would like to help support the production of this and future works, please consider buying a copy or recommending it to a friend. Thank you to Natalie Ben for the voice of Sasha. To keep up to date follow, at Gravity Undone, on Twitter or Facebook and consider checking out our new podcast, Space Brains, a sci-fi movie review show at Space Brains Pod on Twitter.